Hello, uh, I'm Jordan with Scale and Detail, trying to actually be productive in my high school existence. Today, uh, I'm interviewing my engineering teacher, Dr. Sumita. Thank you so much for coming. You're welcome, Jordan. You're welcome. Good to be here. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm really glad you can join us. Um, so back when you, because you used to work at Howard Hughes, right? So it was officially called the Hughes Research Laboratories, right? Uh -huh. it, was, it was started by Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes, as people might remember, his dad was uh, an oil an oil guy, made a lot of money, uh, um, just oil industry. And uh, then Howard Hughes, you know, inherited a lot of that money and started a company called the Hughes Aircraft Company. And actually it started in Culver City, just down the street. There was a huge airstrip, which is now Playa Vista, but that whole Playa Vista area from Sepulveda to the ocean, that whole thing was the Hughes Aircraft Company. It became evident early on that he needed to have a research team in order to keep the pipeline going for innovation, right? So he bought the property out in Malibu, right next to Pepperdine and uh, moved all of his researchers there. So that was kind of like Howard Hughes's ivory tower. And from out of that um, beautiful location came all the ideas that became um, Hughes Aircraft products. So and you might not know Jordan, but so my PhD was in laser physics mm -hmm. and the laser was invented at the Hughes Research Laboratory in Malibu in May mm -hmm. of 1960. So that put a uh, a, 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 a world or global mark on the research lab. And that's when they became really world famous. They instantly shot, just rocketed to in, literally international fame. Um, and then the race was on to who could build the best or the biggest or you know, best kind of laser between mm -hmm. us and Bell Labs. And I think there was another um, entity, uh, mm -hmm. but yeah. So did you like mostly engineer like lasers when you worked um, there? Or like, what did you actually do on a daily basis? Yeah, so I was part of our laser physics department. And uh, yeah, kind of in a nutshell, the, the, the whole raison d'etre or the reason for being was to uh, create new kinds of lasers and laser technology that fed into the Hughes Aircraft Company um, product line. And um, so we were on the cutting edge of doing that kind of research. And it was a lot of research for the government. There is a specific department in the government called DARPA. So what was I doing on a daily basis? I was literally just inventing. Mm -hmm. that, was our, that was the goal of our department was to invent and create mm -hmm. um, new and innovative technology within sort of the laser physics, op what we call optical physics. Mm -hmm. Um, area. We had optical physics, chemical physics, materials, uh, uh, <laughs> microchip, uh, you know, kinds of uh, applications and oh, and plasma. There was the plasma so, department. As like a research engineer, how important is design compared to like, like mathematical types of engineering? Right. No, that that's the mother load. That's that's where it all starts, Jordan. Right. Because mm -hmm. I mean, how how is it that I and many of my colleagues um, have so many patents? If you don't start with a, with kind of, well, I was going to say a clean slate, but maybe that's not right. If you don't come in ready to brainstorm and think about new creative outside the box ideas, 
right? Well, then that's never going to become um, a novel invention for a patent, right? Following up on that, why did you decide to get into like laser engineering and like research engineering as opposed to something like architecture, like another kind of design or engineering job? Guy, you know, Jordan, that's a really interesting question. Um, it, it honestly was because of high school. Mm -hmm. I had an amazing high school teacher. He taught me physics, chemistry, and calculus. He was also the baseball coach, but I didn't play baseball. I ran track. Oh, there's so many qualities, but I think really it comes back to what we said earlier. It relates to design. It's really this, this uh, passion and this drive to do something new and to be creative. Um, that has, for me, kind of evolved as I, as I I'll, I'll say, kind of, quote, unquote, got better at it. Because, um, Jordan, it really it requires, um, I said already, thinking outside the box, but it really requires kind of a, um, a, a, a being able to take risk. Mm -hmm. you, you, can't, you, can't, you cannot be afraid of people saying, that is so stupid. That is the mm -hmm. that is the most stupid idea I've ever heard, right? I mean, you 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 have to you have to start to grow a really tough skin and say, mm -hmm. I, I I think this is an interesting idea, and then kind of you know run with it. You, you it's mm -hmm. uh, Jordan. You might remember um, when we were doing. Do you remember when we were doing the, the design process? Yes. Right. You okay? Remember, step one is to define the problem. Now, for mm -hmm. us working for the Hughes. Howard Hughes Research Lab, the, the problems were kind of defined for us, sort mm -hmm. of. But what's the next step? The next step is generate a solution, which is brainstorming. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that, that's where all the creativity um, and then following up with an actual design comes from. You have to mm -hmm. be willing to think outside the box, do things creatively, do things that might be weird, wacky, and hopefully mm -hmm. un eventually wonderful. But you, you got to be able to take that plunge i don't know it sounds really interesting because with careers like architecture and construction management you like really need to care about what the like the uh what the consumer wants where with this or with the research yeah, or your or your or your client your client mm -hmm. you need you need to care about what your client wants but like with research engineering, like you you want to focus on your own path like you need to find your own solutions and like your own ways i feel like is that, would that be correct? So who defines the problem again, Jordan? The client does. Right. So what, so what does that tell you? Before you go off and design some wacky, wonderful, you know, weird, crazy thing. Remember we talked about constraints. Yeah. The constraints that you have as the designer or the architect or the engineer, you have to really understand what your client wants. So that's where you need to build relationship. You know, you're spending time with them. Maybe you're going out mm -hmm. to dinners. Maybe you're doing, you know, but you really have to get into the head of your client to really understand what they want. So now in the field of art, because you're interested in architecture, right, Jordan? Yeah. So mm -hmm. someone says, hey, Jordan, you know, let's say you're working for a multi-million dollar, you know, architectural firm and, and uh, you've got a client that says, hey, I want to build uh, a skyscraper in um, Kansas City. And mm -hmm. I, I kind of wanted to have this artsy look. I wanted to be novel, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. but, but, but Jordan, what does that really mean? See, what does that really mean? So you need mm -hmm. to start asking all kinds of questions to help 
frame the problem. Mm -hmm. See, some, sometimes they might not exactly know. You know, your job is to come up with the design, but it's got to be a design that they really want. So how do the, you find out what they really want? The key part isn't like just building what they ask, but like knowing what they want and then executing on that. Yeah, see, and that's you're saying it's different. They say, "Hey, Jordan, mm -hmm. I want to, I want to build, I want to build the tallest skyscraper in the history of 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 uh, Kansas City." Well, you you know, you say, well, I mean, if somebody asked you that, Jordan, you know, and and let's say, and you know, you're working for this architectural, what what kinds of questions do you think you want to ask? Just just give me a list of things that you would want to start asking this person. Like, why are you on... Why are you building the skyscraper? Like, what's the purpose? Like, what's your okay. goal here? Like, okay, the vision, right? And then, and then what else? Like what their needs are, like what, like how much funding they have available, like what sort of resources would be available to build this project. Right, but even before you get to the money, right? Because they've got, they've got some vision, right? This is some multi-billionaire, mm -hmm. and he somehow, I don't know. What, so what can you imagine he would say when you say, well, why do you want to build it? What, what, what could he be? What could he? What could be some reasons, Jordan? Maybe he Why wants. Why does he want to kind of quote unquote waste five billion dollars on building this skyscraper? Maybe he wants to feel like he made a difference. So like he wants he wants to show that like he's done something that like no one else has done. Like he wants recognition or fame or maybe even just like well, so it, for you're himself. Right. Hmm? Right. So so that's interesting. Is it significance for himself? Or for the community, right? Is this guy an egomaniac? All he wants is to make a huge skyscraper symbol to his to his greatness. Mm -hmm. Or I mean, right, that could be. Or does he really genuinely want to give back to the community because blah 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 blah? Right? Can I think you imagine you a, those would be two very very skyscraper? You have a much maybe. more positive view of humanity than I do in this situation, oh, well. at least. <laughs> well, but see. It doesn't matter, Jordan. It doesn't matter, right? All you're trying to do is satisfy the needs of the client. So you mm -hmm. got to understand: are they an egomaniac, or are they really, really seriously, at a heart level, philanthropic, okay. and they really do want to help the community? Right? Those would be two different. Those could be two very different skyscrapers. So moving on from that, um, <laughs> when you're researching things, do you work as a group, or is it like by yourself? Like, how does that work? Both. Both. Mm -hmm. You can imagine, right? Sometimes, you know, uh, brainstorming, definitely a collective group, uh, a group thing, but you're, but you're doing things in your head individually, right? Dreaming of things and then you share it, right? And then other ideas come out of that. You remember this idea of um, piling on or following on from the ideas of others? That's a definite uh, group um, and you have to be listening. But then at some point you pull back and then you start working sort of within your own your own space. And then it's a constant back and forth. It's like breathing, Jordan. It's just, you know, it's just part of, you know, individual group, individual mm -hmm. group. And you're, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's all of that, Jordan. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. As a research engineer, you had to like patent your ideas. Um, how do you feel like that affected your job as compared to like, an architect who like doesn't really need to like protect their ideas from being stolen. Um, I'm not sure because again, I've I'm not really spent a lot of time in architecture per se. I mean, I have friends mm -hmm. that are architects, and some of them run their own firms. Um, mm -hmm. um, I, I 
I'm not exactly sure about that, Jordan, because my my sense would be anything you do that's that touches on some of these areas um, might have some proprietary things associated with them, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, I don't know, I'm just going to dream up something, but like, let's say, you know, um, in some high rise building, um, right? They, what do they have? They used to have swinging doors, right? But Jordan, at some point, somebody designed and probably patented the first revolving door, mm. right? Yeah. Wow. Wow, a revolving door. How did, so somebody way back when invented that, probably patented it. And that was like New York City's first brand new 55 story skyscraper with a revolving door. It's like, whoa, okay, I got to go see what this is, right? And then how about, you got a, you got a skyscraper, how are you going to get up to the 43rd floor? Somebody named Otis invented the elevator. So, so Jordan, no, I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say, well, I'm doing architecture, so there's probably nothing patentable. I'd say, no, 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 time out, Jordan. See, don't, don't limit yourself. So if I wanted to get, like, if I wanted to have a job like yours, like, how would you recommend that I did that? Right, right. I, I'll I'd start with a question that you asked, which was uh, a job like mine, which was a mm -hmm. research engineer. So at the research lab, uh, if I remember right, uh, like 70, on the order of like 75% of us had PhDs. Mm -hmm. So let that sink in for a minute, right? That's three out of every four people down the hallway from me had PhDs mm. just like me, right? And the other people probably had masters or whatever, or the, so, but, but, so again, I'm asked, I'm answering your question is to do a job like mine. So, cause my job was to do cutting edge research that would then lead to papers and patents and publications. I even wrote a book chapter. Mm. I mean, so, you know, it's, it was, it was that kind of level because why they were paying me to, to literally do cutting edge global global impact research. Mm -hmm. Well, so so to get to that point required, of course, required college and then graduate school and a PhD to be an absolute world expert in some mm -hmm. little niche area, right? And does it how many years does it take to get like a PhD? Okay, that's a great question. Well of course college is four years and then mm -hmm. graduate school is kind of like any professional like a degree, law or medicine. So in the field of physical sciences, it typically takes about six years. So it's a total of 10 years of, of higher ed. You know, what medical school is, I think, four years, law school, you know, several years plus, you know, then, and then there's other things with it. And the medicine, right, you get your, your standard, what is it, three or four years of medical school, and then they usually go off to a specialization, right, and then residency. So all these things take, yeah, many years after college. It was basically 10 years after high school. One last question. Do you think like being a research engineer will change a lot in the future? That's a really great question. Um, two things come to mind. Well, first of all, glo globally, I think kind of the idea of meeting people doing design and research and so on, that's not going to change. That, that can't change as long as new and creative things are needed and they're always needed, right? because there's always problems to solve remember that's the basis for all this engineering mm -hmm. is about problem solving um but the nature of how it's going to be done um mm -hmm. i could see maybe some small some small changes for instance one would be um 
you know, when I was growing up, there was no such thing as biomedical engineering or environmental engineering or so as, 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 um, as problems arise, um, there is a need sometimes to, to, um, to do maybe a different type of research or maybe mm -hmm. a, an interdisciplinary research. I've seen more and more of that, right? It used to be, hmm. oh, just biology or chemistry or physics or, right? But then it became, oh, chemical physics or physical chemistry or biophysics, biochemistry, right? Or so now you can't just do, uh, it, it has to be completely integrated. If you start designing a mechanical thing, if you don't understand the batteries or the system of electronics that are gonna drive the thing, you might make this amazing mechanical structure and then find out, oh, dang it, the batteries don't fit. As we see more and more things needing to be integrated together, it's almost like the human body, right? It, mm -hmm. you, know, you talk about, well, you know, I have an issue with the digestive system or I've got a stomach ache. Well, okay, you know, there's all kinds of reasons for it, right? Maybe there's stress, but oh, this was the beauty of working at the Hughes Research Lab. I literally could walk down the hallway, talk to talk to the world's expert on robotics, then go next door and talk to the world expert on on fuel cells. I mean, it was this constant. Really, that it was a wonderful time, Jordan. It was a constant blending of us as PhDs talking about all kinds of different mm -hmm. things. See, and then I I go back to my office and go, okay, let's see. Wow, maybe maybe there is a new kind of battery that could help me do this thing you know that honestly like that sounds amazing just being able to like talk to people who like are the best in their like very fields to do to like make projects and like work together that's yeah. jordan it really it was it was it was a, an amazing time i just mm -hmm. yeah and that's what fueled me to just keep writing patents i mean i Mm -hmm. I, I, I just sort of pat myself on the back. I mean, having 30 something patents, that was probably more than the average person there at the research lab. Thank you so much for appearing on this podcast. Uh, I really appreciate it. I appreciate you, Jordan. God bless.